Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. And with that said, grab your notes. And we're going to continue on. We are in a series right now in our church that I think is really, really important. We're doing some uh, kind of some of the deeper work of connecting life and faith together. And we're in a series right now called Cave Time. And we're talking about really this wonderful promise, which is how God, by his grace and his mercy, meets us in some of the darker places of our lives and and brings us out into the sunshine of his healing and and in his grace. And one of the things I love about the church, uh, our church, one of the things that's kind of a bit of a a a value in our church family is authenticity and truthfulness and And so um, we're having some honest conversations about it. Um, We began our series with a a talk uh, on Samson in the cave of anger. And that was a, that was a great uh, uh, time to be together. And if you were with us last week, Pastor Trevor did a fantastic job. I thought teaching on King David and the, and the cave of fear and uh, fear is a real thing, right? How many of you ever been afraid? Anybody? Uh, Yeah. And uh, right after I smoked that cigar, I was afraid. <laughs> and, um, and anyhow, um, this is such a good thing. Now, we know, if you were with us last week, we, we just acknowledge that uh, there is a good uh, reason for fear. God has wired us to have sort of an understanding of fear and an intuition that I think is hardwired into uh, our, our sense of self so that we can... Uh, you know, uh, when we sense danger, fight and flight are very real things. But uh, if you were with us last week, we talked about really um, negative fear and how fear can just sort of come into our lives and grip us and, and create a real problem for us um, in our lives. And we talked about that. I remember years ago, someone that I respect uh, made this observation about fear. I've never forgotten. It's sort of my short take idea of it. They, they said this, fear is the dark room where negatives are developed. And I thought, that's really true. And uh, we know what that is. I, I was reading about this and I shared with the teaching team. How many of y'all remember a guy by the name of Dave Barry? He was a writer for the Miami Herald. He was just, he was just a, a great guy. He's retired now. But Dave Barry says this. He said, all of us are born with a set of instinctive fears. A fear of falling. A fear of the dark. A fear of lobsters. A fear of falling on lobsters in the dark of speaking at the Rotary Club or even those dreaded awful words, some assembly is required. And, uh, and I think he's got a great, a great point there. And we, we just learned last week how God can meet us uh, in the cave of fear and offer to us a kind of peace that surpasses our human understanding. And I gotta just tell you as a pastor, one of the real joys of ministry is to sometimes see people that, you know, have some real genuine circumstances in their lives and how God is able to show up in those circumstances and bring the peace of his presence. Well, this morning, um, what I want to do on this week, and we're going to do it on all of our campuses, I want to invite us into a, a more delicate conversation. I want to invite us into a more sensitive conversation. And uh, we're going to look at a story in the Older Testament 
And uh, we're going to learn a little bit about a guy by the name of Elijah. And when Elijah was in the uh, cave of depression, and sometimes we talk about it uh, as depression or despair. How many of you ever heard of Elijah before? And that's a, that's a name that many of us have heard of, but there's a particular story that I want to focus on, and it happens uh, in 1 Kings, and uh, I want to read about a, an encounter uh, that, uh, that Elijah had with, uh, uh, in his life with um, a woman by the name of Jezebel. And, uh, and so uh, we always stand in honor of God's word. So I want to encourage you to stand where you are. And uh, we are going to read this story. It's a little bit longer, but um, I think it's going to be really important for us. So here it is. This is uh, the story of Elijah in 1 Kings 19. So now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed the prophets with the sword. And so Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, uh, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. And so Elijah was afraid. And uh, he ran for his life. And when he came to uh, uh, Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. And while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed to the Lord that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. And then he lay down under the bush and he fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And he looked around and there by his head was some uh, bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then he lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank and strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days, 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave, there's the cave, and he spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword, and I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper, and when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, went out, and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied again, so I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword, and I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And then the Lord said to him, go back the way you came, go back to the desert of Damascus, and when you get there, anoint Haziel, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel Maloah to succeed you as prophet. And Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword 
of Haziel, and Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. And yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. So this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So let's take a moment and uh, historically get sort of up to speed. So uh, the book of Kings, first and second Kings in our older Testament in the Hebrew Bible is one book. It's not two, it's one book. And, and it details all of the kings of Israel after David's reign. So here's what I want you to know historically. David, in the beginning of first Kings, David dies And then uh, Israel has all of this successive order of kings, both good and bad. And and so the book of 1 Kings and 2 Kings sort of just details historically all that's going on, good and bad. Uh, We also find in the book of 1 Kings, after David comes Solomon. It's a time that begins with peace. And then there's uh, Solomon's son, I think it is, if I remember historically right, Rehoboam makes this tragic error, and the, the kingdoms are divided north and south. The temple is built, the kingdoms divide, there's all this stuff going on. Now, here's what I want you to know. Buried into all of that kind of historical narrative, where they're detailing all the good kings and the bad kings and kind of summing them up, is this incredible encounter that Elijah has with Jezebel uh, in in this tremendous conflict. And and it's it's right on the the heels of these tremendous victories that Elijah has that he faces a terrible defeat. How many of y'all remember uh, when I was growing up, I remember the, it, it came on on Saturday, it was the wide world of sports. How many of y'all remember that? And the th- remember like the thrill of victory and what? The, you're my people, okay? And so this, and, and, and really in a way, here's what I want you to think about. It's kind of emblematic because a lot of times in our lives when we are most susceptible to challenge and difficult circumstance, it's usually on the heels of great victory. That's why those who really kind of study that thing and this sort of thing in our, in our human ideas, they, they say you should always be a little careful after big victory because you got to watch out. This is kind of what's unfolding here. And, 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 and um, Elijah because of this circumstance, this real fear where Jezebel, who's not a good person, is pursuing him to kill him, uh, he slips into a depression. And he slips into some real despair. Uh, And it provides a perfect window, if you will, for uh, any, and I would even say for all of us, because here's, here's what I would think. Normally this would be a space in my message where I would go, hey, anybody ever struggled with a hard time? But because this is so sensitive a topic today, I don't want to do that because here's what I know. 
everybody will experience a difficult time. Uh, Everybody will face a moment of despondent uh, living. Everybody will face a moment of despair. Live uh, on the earth long enough and uh, you will experience it. And it will always be different from someone else's. The way they may have navigated a particularly challenging moment in their life might not at all be the way you navigate a particularly difficult moment in your life. And I know that this is true. Now, we we live in a culture that um, does some weird things whenever we get into a topic like this. First of all, this, um, we live in a culture where there's tremendous temptation today to live almost in every narrative, in every conversation we're in, in a binary way, which, was, which is this, that um, it's always either or. Uh, and so like we live in a culture right now that if, if we disagree with one another, the only thing that we can do is, is pummel one another and not like one another and hate one another and push back. We can't, we're, we're, we're losing the ability to nuance in our culture, right? The other thing that I notice in our culture is this, um, we, we make sport, we use words incorrectly. We'll, we'll talk about love and we'll attribute love, say, to, you know, we love the new tires we get for our truck. And uh, we'll use words like depression and we'll say, I'm depressed because the store ran out of my favorite pretzels. And we use words incorrectly, and we should be careful about that. We, we either um, over-spiritualize or we under-spiritualize things. We catastrophize. And because I don't, uh, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a psychiatrist, I don't play one on TV, and, and I did not stay at a Hampton Inn last night either. Here's what I would tell you, though, um, depression and despair are real things. Uh, The Mayo Clinic says this. uh, The Mayo Clinic says that depression ranges in seriousness from mild temporary episodes of sadness to severe persistent depression. Clinical depression is the more severe form of depression, also known as major depression or major depressive disorder. Mayo Clinic goes on to say clinical depression can, be, can affect people of any age, including children. However, clinical depression symptoms, even if severe, usually improve with psychological counseling, antidepressant medications, or a combination of the two. So here's what I want to say, a real thing. We should be careful. Uh, we should be careful sometimes when somebody's going through something like this to say, oh, I can identify. Because you might not be able to identify. But underneath that, there is a, a kind of despair sometimes that invades the human heart, uh, which uh, begins in many ways, as I've been reading and learning, situationally. And this is what we see here with Elijah. There's a, there's a particular set of circumstances that unfold in Elijah's life and, and, and they come at him in a way 
and at a rate that is so fast, so quick, so overwhelming. Sometimes those who study this say it can open the gateway that can lead to despair. Uh, In 2005, I had an encounter and an experience with that. Uh, Our church was uh, seven years old, and uh, we were, uh, if I look back in those days, you know, I I have so many memories of Community of Hope, of course, and uh, when I look back on those days, those days were in some ways, y'all, here's what I would tell you, they were like a rocket ride. And uh, we, were, we were growing exponentially. We shot up very fast. We were worshiping in the high school auditorium at Royal Palm High. We moved in there on November 2nd, 1997. We were in there in 2005. Does anybody, was, who was living here in 2005? What happened in the fall of 2005? Anybody remember? Hurricanes happened. And particularly um, Wilma. And when Francis, Gene, like Francis and Gene were the one-two punch, and, and Wilma was the kaboom. And I'll never forget when Wilma happened. Um, uh, we were at our home. We were out of power for two weeks. And when we got through that, I remember these neighbors who had moved in across the street, and this little boy would come over to play with the girls. And one day he knocked on the door, and he was bringing all this stuff over to our house. And I said, what are you, Josh, we're like, what are you doing? He said, we are getting out of here. <laughs> and you better get out of here too. And I mean, they moved. And I was like, do they know something we don't know? Like, what's, gonna, what, like, what's happening? And in 2005, um, uh, the school we were in shut down. And it shut down for several weeks because when, when Palm Beach County, when it went through the hurricane, they had, to, they had to evaluate every school to make sure they were safe. And so we had several weeks, we didn't, we didn't have a building to worship in. And then on top of that, right before Wilma happened, we, we, um, we had a difficult staff transition. And, and then um, right on the tail of that, when all of that was sort of weird and awkward and difficult, um, my friends at Christ Fellowship, No Crime, No Foul, opened their target campus less than a mile from our church. And let me tell you what we were doing on the weekends at our church. We were setting up, tearing down, rah, rah, rah. And it was vulnerable. And, and I began, it became a gateway for me that I just, I just slipped into some despair. And I couldn't get out of it. And I ended up, it just kept going to the point where for the first time in my life, then be very candid here, I, I went on some medicine to try to help me. I didn't know what was going on. And uh, we were facing some things we'd never faced before. And, and this is Elijah. Uh, Elijah is filled with despair. And uh, when, I, when I read this story, this particular story, here's what always happens when I read this story. I think about 2005. And, and I, also, I also think in this story, there's just some incredible wisdom 
that 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 when I look back on my own life, it, it became a bit of a roadmap for me out of this difficult season that I've never experienced before. And again, if you haven't, I really believe you will. And um, and I want to just point to I you know normally we we look for kind of the big ideas in scripture. This this story weighs out in such a way. I just almost want to. I just want to move us through it and point out these things that were helpful to me back then that I'm, I think might be helpful to some of you if, you if you're facing a season right now of despair. The first thing I notice is this. You'll notice that in the story, there's a reminder of the importance of our physical needs. Now, he has this encounter with an angel, right? But what does the angel do? Gives him food, gives him water. Sometimes I notice as a pastor, just follow me on this, we tend to either over-spiritualize things or under-spiritualize things. Let me explain. Sometimes Christ followers, um, just we just, you know, we're like the story, I don't know if you ever heard the story of the little boy uh, in Sunday school and, and, and he's, you know, his teacher's trying to get their attention and she goes, hey, everybody, what? What is brown and has a furry tail and and gathers acorns? And the little boy raises his hand and he goes, well, um, I think the answer is Jesus, but it sure sounds like a squirrel to me. <laughs> What's my point? Sometimes we just, we, we just say spiritual things that don't have any underpinnings in, in real life. Uh, uh, I was talking to Pastor F. Ryan, who leads our Spanish congregation. F. Ryan said one time he's preaching in Venezuela, and he said, uh, and, and he said the door opens in the back, right in the middle of the sermon, and this guy comes in. He wanders halfway down the aisle, and he's 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 just you know going through all this emotion. He's sort of screaming out, and everybody is thinking, you know, he's he's got a demon, and and right when they're thinking he's got a demon, he he just sort of collapses. And there's this lady next to him, Ephraim says that she just, she grabs this guy by his feet and pulls him out of the church and he continues preaching. And after the service, sermon is over, the service is over, he goes out there and here's the lady and here's the guy. And, and, and he said, well, what happened? Here, here's the guy sitting there and he's, he's in his right mind. He's sitting there all happy and he goes, did you get rid of the demon? And she said, no, I gave him something to eat. That was kind of supposed to be funny. <laughs> and, and, and what he was saying is, 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 you know, sometimes it's about our physical needs. And that's a part of it. Uh, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap or have a sandwich. Your pastor said you can do that. Uh, but notice what else is going on here. Notice this other point. Um, he gives Elijah the strength to go on. And uh, I, I think this is really interesting. He doesn't let Elijah sit in his despair. He begins to, to show him there's something else out there. And he, and he outfits him for what's ahead. You see it, you see it in in, in the verse of scripture, you, you can just see if we say it, the angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him and said, get up and eat. Look at this. For the journey is too much for you. 
And so he got up and he ate and he drank, strengthened by the food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There was something ahead for him. And a lot of times I know from my own experience when we're really in despair, we don't see anything ahead. We're just stuck in this spot and we're stuck in this space. And we see this sort of in the scriptures in this idea where he comes to him and says this. One of the things I love is this passage of scripture. I want you to notice it's Isaiah 40, verse 29. It says, God gives strength to the weary, increases power of the weak. Even youth grow weary and tired, tired, weary, and young men stumble and fall. And those who open the Lord will renew their strength. Now, go back, Lynn, to that back scripture. Go back one, and it says this, those who hope in the Lord. Um, some translations say this, those who wait on the Lord. And it's in this waiting period oftentimes where uh, we learn in those spaces what we're depending on, follow me here, and what we should be depending on. Uh, Let me give you a little uh, tip. Whenever the Bible uses the word and the writers of Scripture in the New Testament primarily use the word hope, it never means what we normally think it means. Normally, here's what we think hope is. Uh, There's some glimmer in our circumstances. Maybe the news is not as bad. Maybe there's a hope that the diagnosis is different. There's something that goes on and we're hoping on that. That's not ever what the Bible means. Here's what the Bible means when it uses the word hope. It means living hope that comes to us from a source not connected to us that gives us hope even when there's, it doesn't even look like there's reason to have hope. That's different. And, and, and when the scriptures talk about this, I, as a pastor, again, I've seen people in very dark circumstances have this kind of peace that almost doesn't even make sense because God is feeding them this kind of hope that is living. Now, here's what I want you to know. All of us can have that. That is all a gift given to us by a God who has made a way for us in Christ. Notice another thing. Uh, God kind of confronts Elijah's expectations and his beliefs. Where was he? Lord, I want to die. I can't go on. I think underneath that is that language like I've, I've messed it up. Let, let, me be, let me be extra candid, the risk of some awkwardness. When, when in 05, when I was in this really dark space, um, all of my insecurities came out. And uh, all of the thing, all of the lies that I think over time get sort of planted in your soul, I think the enemy who is a liar pops those out right at the moment you're most vulnerable. 
And uh, I remember, uh, many of you all know, I, I played some baseball when I was in high school. And I had a coach that was not great. And uh, coaches are in important positions, moms and dads. You should pay attention to that. And a great coach can instill, instill incredible values your child will live on. And a, and a not great coach can plant lies that take a long time to get over. And I had a coach that would often say when he was frustrated with me, you're never gonna get it. And uh, in 05, when our church wobbled, all those lies came out. And in my soul, that's what I often heard. You're not going to get it. Uh, The fraud you are is the fraud that is being revealed. You say you're a church planter. You don't know what you're doing. And man, I'm telling you, it was soul crushing to me. And this is such a powerful part of the story because uh, God doesn't let Elijah sit in those lies. And my sense would be, some of us are here and we're living lies like that. Not good enough. God doesn't love you. You're the odd person out. I mean, we can make up a million of them. I hear them all the time. And uh, what I want everybody to know in this room is that um, every person in this room is a child of God and a person of worth. Amen? Every person in this room and online is a child of God and a person of worth. I think of it as this way. Cogpow. Cogpow. Child of God, person of worth. And um, this is the powerful part of Elijah's story for me. I, I have another one I want to show you too real quickly and we'll be done. And if we go on, um, we, we know that what God does is he reminds Elijah of his identity and his purpose. He had work for him to do. Uh, in, in a real moment of this, and I want to connect this to the last one, which is this. He reminds us that we're not alone. In a moment uh, of real challenge, when I think back about 05, uh, many of y'all know I've been in a covenant group for like 30, I think it's we're at year 34 now. And uh, one of our rules in our covenant group, you can't ever miss the covenant group. That's like the rule. And I was in such a dark space in 05, the meeting came up and I, the fall meeting, and I called my brothers and I said, I can't go. And they said, well, why can't you go? And uh, Pastor George asked me that question. And Pastor George will be here on our campus next week. Um, and and uh, he said, why can't you go? And, I, and this is what I told him. Listen, listen, to, listen to the insecurity. I said, if I go on our retreat, I'm afraid I won't have a church to come back to. And we, we kind of argued back and forth. And I finally said, George, I'm, I can't go. And uh, so I tried to 
work my way through my stuff, you know. And uh, we were, I was sitting down one afternoon to eat dinner with my family, and there was a knock on the door. And when I went to answer the door, my covenant group was at the door. And uh, I didn't go to them. They came to me. And here's what I would tell you, the little dirty secret. I was this close to turning in my resignation. That close. It's still very tender to me. And uh, you might be here today and you might be saying, you know, I just, I am in a time right now, I'm in a battle. And I would, I would want you to know, honestly, I thought this was so encouraging. This morning on Sundays, you'd imagine I get up early and I spend time in prayer and in the scriptures. And I read a verse of scripture this morning that simply says this, God sets the lonely into families. And uh, the thing that I hear most often about Community of Hope is, you know, now we're three campuses and now there's some stuff going on. It still feels like a family. And some of you are here this morning and you just might need to know and might need to hear that um, as God brought Elijah out of despair and as God brought Dale out of despair... God can bring you out of despair. He can manifest his hope and his healing into your life. He could give you an identity and a purpose. Uh, He could remind you of the truth and not the lies. He can give you strength to go on another day. You can let him do it. You pray for us. Uh, Lord, I thank you this morning that um, in your grace and in your mercy, you're including those of us who have felt the fire of despair. And I pray for any friends in the room or listening online or hearing the message later uh, that, God, you would meet us in maybe what feels like the darkest of caves. And that, God, in your power and in your grace, you would do what only you can do to break that open, to lead us out of any lies that we have come to take ownership with in our own spirit. And that, God, we would learn in new and fresh ways that you're with us, you love us, you care for us, you're here for us. I pray that especially for anyone today in a dark space. Bring your healing mercy to bear. For we pray these things in Jesus' precious name and everybody said, amen. God bless you. God loves you. We love you. Go in his grace and we'll see you next weekend.